Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais with another episode of The Yacking Show. And this is the Harmony Channel, your path to wholeness. And we bring you ideas, tips, and things you should do to keep your life whole and healthy by bringing you really interesting guests. Today will be no exception. We're really excited to speak to this guest. But first, let's introduce co-host Kathleen. Hi, Kathleen. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Peter. Thank you so much. And thank you all so very much for tuning into our show. We so appreciate having you. And as Peter mentioned, we do have another special guest with us today. We are so lucky to welcome Dr. Mitchell Yass to the show. Hello, Mitchell. How are you? I am always fantastic. Thank you for having me on your show. <laughs> That's good. good. Now, Dr. Yass is the president and co-founder of Yass Global Enterprises. He specializes in identifying the causes of pain in people. So let's just jump right in. Mitchell, you've developed the Yass method of identifying, identifying and treating chronic pain. Can you please tell us exactly what this method is and how you came to develop it? Sure. So 40 years ago, the MRI was developed and became the standard, the gold standard for diagnosing the cause of pain, which is to say an image is, uh, is created and it finds a structural variation, a herniated disc, stenosis, arthritis, a meniscal tear, something that is found structurally. And because it is found at the time of pain, it is asserted to be the cause of pain. Therefore, it becomes the basis by which all treatments coming forward are performed. Now, I go to physical therapy school. I'm coming out to the end of the, 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 the sessions and you have to now be in front of people as a student. You start treating people. So someone's now in front of me and they're saying, I want you to make my pain go away. And I don't know why of the 100,000 people a year that graduate in the United States from physical therapy, I must have been the only person that said, well, here's a good question for you. Could you just point to where your pain is? Just show me where your pain is. And when they pointed to their pain, it turned out that it wasn't where it should be if the identified structural variation from the MRI was to create pain. Mm. So if the pain isn't where it should be, if that structure was to cause pain, by definition, the structure isn't the cause of pain. And I keep doing this over and over again. And I find that in more than 98% of cases, that structure is not causing pain. And so I begin to say, well, my responsibility is not to the system, but to the person in front of me. So I think it's my responsibility to interpret their symptoms. And lo and behold, in interpreting their symptoms, I figure out in more than 98% of cases, the cause of pain is muscular. Literally, muscle is responsible for eliciting pain, whether it's the muscle, whether it's the muscle altering the position of joint surfaces, causing pain in joints, whether the muscle is referring symptoms, whether the muscle is strained and impinging on a nerve creating symptoms, 98% of cases, the cause of pain is muscular. Well, that was pretty good because just prior to me entering physical therapy, I had some self-esteem issues. I was the 99-pound weakling guy, the guy who got sand kicked in his face. And at one point I said, I think weightlifting has something to do with physics because gravity is a force vector. And Mm -hmm. so you're pushing against gravity. So maybe there are laws of physics that could help me understand how to be a better weightlifter. And I started to apply the laws of physics. And over four years, I put 40 pounds on. I went from 160 pounds to 200 pounds in four years through this use of applying laws of physics to weightlifting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I figured out as I'm graduating school that the cause in most cases is muscular. 
how lucky was I that I developed a method to strength train and utilize that as the primary mechanism to resolve these people's pain. And lo and behold, people are getting better in a session or two. Better, pain-free, fully functional in weeks. In weeks. That becomes the basis of my method. Well, you know, just before we started recording, I was just telling you that I had a family member that was diagnosed um, several years ago now with severe osteoporosis and that in December, her condition became so severe and the pain was just absolutely excruciating. Um, She was then put on um, nerve blockers and is now told that she will need nerve blockers now for the rest of her life. And you were very quick to correct me. And and I appreciate that saying that wasn't the osteoporosis that was causing her pain. And I'll let you elaborate. Sure. So here's the problem with the system. The basis by which all diagnoses are performed globally is that an image is taken. X-ray, MRI, CAT scan, I don't care by the basis by which the image is taken, but the image is a snapshot in time. Mm -hmm. It is to say that you have pain. Now we take the image directly after the pain is created and it shows structural abnormalities. But that image doesn't say that that structural abnormality began at the time of your pain. It doesn't say whether that structural abnormality was there 30 years ago. It simply says, and this is called correlative thinking, correlative theory or junk science, that since your pain occurred now and at the same time I found the structural variation, I'm simply asserting it's the cause. My point to you would be, if we take that logic, the MRI would show that whoever that was you mentioned had that osteoporosis would also show they have two elbows at the time of their pain. So let's assert that having two elbows is the cause of the pain and they'll have to get elbowectomies. It's literally that psychotic logic that is the basis for the way all treatment is created and the essence of what chronic pain is. Chronic pain, in its simplest form, is misdiagnosed acute pain. That's Mm -hmm. all it is. Right, 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 right. But, okay, so I was going to ask you more on on that percentage of people whose pain is caused by structure, and you've answered that very well. So here's one for you. So the, the... idea of preparing an image of the source of pain and then using um, treatment afterwards is okay for acute pain. So if if I break my arm, which I've done, um, and go and get an x-ray and they say your arm's broken, that's the source of my acute pain, but it's not necessarily going to result in chronic pain, right? So you just described a situation where a traumatic event occurred. Yes. Well, certainly the high probability in a traumatic event is maybe structure is the cause of your pain. In the 30 years of treating people of over probably 17, 18,000 people, you ask the average person, when did their pain begin? They say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. What was the event that brought it on? I don't know. It just came on. Nobody has a structural abnormality. That's the obvious one that you can figure out. I fall down a ladder and I have a fractured vertebrae. Okay, that's probable. But when I haven't had a a traumatic event and I have pain in my back, why do you think arthritis is the cause of your pain? If I was to now, you're over the age of 40, and I go and I say, you know what? I just feel like doing uh, a study on MRIs. And I'm going to take everybody over the age of 40 and do MRIs of their uh, shoulder, their hip, their knee, their back. 
What percentage of those people do you think will present with some form, some degree of arthritis, a herniated disc, a nosis, a meniscal tear, one of these things? It would be like 80%. Mm-hmm. So where's the shock? Where's the sudden sense? Oh, my God, I have this, that just because it was shown at the time of pain that that asserts it's the cause. I can show you as many people without pain. I can show you as many people at six foot. I can show you as many yeah. people with blonde hair that have the same exact structural abnormalities. So the idea of correlating pain to the structure is the equivalent of correlating the structure to your eye color. So they're independent variables. So, so Mitchell, let's, let's talk about your method then. So in, in the case where structure is the cause of pain because somebody breaks a limb. Yes. Trauma. Would your method still help in those circumstances? So my method is a diagnostic model. It is not a treatment model. It's not you get the treatment and then see, did it work or not? And if it works, great. If not, oh, well, you just go on to something else. That's chiropractic, physical therapy, neurology, orthopedics. It's all the same thing. My method determines the mean, the, 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 the diagnosis through the interpretation of your symptoms. So let's take a little example. Okay. So someone falls, let's say, and they describe pain right here. It's pinpoint. And I Mm -hmm. press on their upper arm bone and they say, oh, God, yeah, that seems to make it worse. Well, that symptom presentation would be indicative of a fracture of the upper arm bone. But what if they have pain and it runs from the shoulder down to the elbow? Mm -hmm. Would a fracture site cause pain the entire length of the bone? Of course not. That's lunacy. So a person who presents with that symptom, muscles run joint to joint. So the person who presents with this symptom that their their symptom runs from the shoulder to the elbow, that's a person who I'm going to start sensing has a muscular problem. Then I'm going to start asking questions. What puts on your pain? And they're going to say, well, if I try to raise my arm, it's horrible. But if I raise my arm, it doesn't hurt. Well, if it was a fracture, does it matter whether you're resting your arm or whether you're raising your arm? Isn't the pain going to be continuous? Of course, it's Mm -hmm. a fracture. So when they describe the fact that their symptom is based on movement, that's a reinforcing corroborating indicator. It's muscular. That's what this is about. You can't just ah. say a person has pain. You got to understand everything about the pain. Exactly where does it begin? Exactly where does it end? What brings it on? What makes it better? There are, uh, if it is muscular, muscle is responsible for posture, for movement patterns. So I'd expect if this guy had some sort of woman had a problem with their shoulder, I might find that along with their pain, their shoulder is elevated. Well, mm-hmm. if it's muscular, it's caught the muscle is straining and eliciting pain. Well, it's also going to alter posture. So the fact that they have altered posture at the time of their pain can't be ignored. You can't just say, well, I found the arthritis in the shoulder. And so I'm going to treat that because what if, does arthritis of the shoulder cause an elevated shoulder? How, what is that? It wouldn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. So you got to look at the person as a whole. Every mm-hmm. tissue creates specific symptoms. So you got to look at the global presentation of symptoms to identify what tissue it is. Bone, muscle, nerve, every one of them creates a specific symptom. I can interpret mm-hmm. your symptoms to tell you what it is. And then, okay. so you're, you're basically targeting which muscles are responsible for the cause of pain then. If, in fact, the presentation of symptoms indicates its muscle, then that is correct. And in my 30 years of doing this, 
I have found that typically there's no more than three to four muscles that are not working correctly that have strained. There's some kind of force output issue of the muscle that is creating the symptoms, dysfunction, alteration of posture. And I will address mm -hmm. those three muscles, three to four muscles. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> what, what about, can it be a combination? For instance, let's go back to broken arm. When I broke my arm by falling underneath the horse, which wasn't a very clever thing to do. And mm -hmm. it, it was in a little country village in Africa and it wasn't set properly. And it, it gives me a bit of pain every now and again. But I guess because it's fairly misshapen, that, that has altered the way the muscles work. So can sometimes the muscle pain be a result of an incorrectly set bone or joint or something, or, or not necessarily? Well, if the bone was set improperly, then you didn't heal at the fracture site properly. So you have to present with symptoms of a fracture site, which right. would be point pain at the fracture site. If you're telling me when my arm is hanging, I feel fabulous. I have no symptom, but if I raise my arm, that I have pain. I don't understand. How could you tell me it's the fracture site causing the pain? Sure. sure. Wouldn't the pain always be there? It's a, that's what you got to understand about this stuff. It's remarkable. I am telling you now that in my 30 years of doing this, 98% of the people I have treated always connect their symptom to dysfunction. I can't walk. I can't bend. I can't reach. I can't go mm -hmm. upstairs. I can't sure. sit. They have associated their symptom with dysfunction. Once you do that, you are describing a muscular problem. Here's the biggest problem you have globally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Does a tight muscle or a weak muscle or an imbalanced muscle show up on an MRI, an X-ray, or a CAT scan? No. Oh, that's right. It doesn't. So you're going to somebody who's using a mechanism to diagnose you that is incapable of identifying all possible causes. And that's going to work. That's mm -hmm. a problem in your diagnostic model. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Very good. Back to you, Kathleen. Um, so you use resistance bands and, and exercise that helps to relieve the pain. Can you can you go into that kind of detail? Well, let's let's go for a classic example. Person has pain around their kneecap. Mm -hmm. Right around the kneecap. They go for an x-ray or an MRI, and they're told they have a torn meniscus, torn meniscus, the cartilage in the knee joint right? They're told they need surgery. Thank God. Somehow, magically, they knew about me. They come to me. Here's what we're going to first do. We're going to say, where's your pain? They're going to say it's around the kneecap. Now, let's look at this concept. The knee joint, which most people don't realize, is comprised of two joints. The joint between the thigh bone and lower leg bone, yep. and then your joint between the kneecap and the thigh bone. So they're being told that the pain that they're experiencing at the joint between the kneecap and the thigh bone is being caused through a structural abnormality of the joint between the thigh bone and lower leg bone. Two separate joints. Mm -hmm. So if you're willing to accept that, and I said to you, oh, your elbow pain is being caused by arthritis of your ankle, would you accept that? Probably that sounds kind of crazy, right? So why should you accept the idea that the meniscus at the joint between the thigh bone and lower leg bone is the cause of the pain at the joint between the kneecap and the thigh bone? You shouldn't. That's my point. Because mm -hmm. it's literally physically impossible. But the MRI found the herniated disc at the time of your pain, so it's asserted to be the cause. That's where the false, the, the meniscal surgery comes in, the bone on bone after it, and you end up with joint replacement comes in. Let's look at my case. The pain at that kneecap joint, the joint between the thigh bone and lower lug bone, is actually controlled by the muscle that attaches to it. Your mm -hmm. quadricep muscle, your front thigh muscle, 
it attaches to your kneecap and it controls the force of that kneecap riding through that joint to allow you to create range of motion of your knee and to allow you to weight bear and perform function. So if you have pain at that kneecap joint, the high probability is something happened to your quadricep muscle. And okay. it's creating an altered force on the kneecap as it tracks through the joint. So you are having joint region pain caused by a muscular deficit. Okay, right. I, I have a question. Yeah. So are you saying then a lot of these knee replacement surgeries that we're seeing here are possibly not even necessary? Well, over 90%. Wow. You want wow. a little statistic? Here's another yeah, question, yeah. though, Mitchell. Here's another question. So. Yeah. I have somebody who I know somebody who's recently had a knee replacement. And once they've had the knee replacement, they say they're feeling better. What yeah. explains that? So number one, if you're talking about immediately thereafter, your knee joint has been anesthetized to the point of outrageous levels of medication put into it. So that's number one. Number two, if you're telling me we're talking about six months to a year later, the first question I would say is, when you get that joint replacement, one of the things you're told to do is don't bend, don't twist, don't, don't weight bear. You can't play golf. You can't do this, right? So what basically there's, I'm trying to understand the logic. You've mm -hmm. been told that the problem is that your joint surfaces are irritated somehow and you need surgery to replace them, but you just got them replaced. That was the point of the surgery. So I'm still trying to understand why can't you play golf? Why can't you dance? Why can't you do everything directly over it? Because they just corrected, they said, the sure. thing that was causing your pain. See, okay. that sounds illogical to me. I'm a logician. So what I'm really suggesting to you is probably it was a muscular cause. And the reason that you're not having pain is because you're not doing the activities that strain the muscles that were causing the pain. The Absolutely. Because if you really want to know the truth, the average person who eventually goes back to life activities ends up having pain a year, two years down the road. Or if it was on the left side, now they're having pain on the right side the because right side. Really what happened was they stopped weight-bearing on the side of the joint replacement. So now they're excessively using the other side. So no pain at that joint replacement is because of work because you changed your weight-bearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, makes sense. fascinating. Yeah, well, it makes the very, very sense. worst of all situations is the person who played golf just decides, I'm not going to play golf anymore. And they just completely stop doing the things they love, which reduces the force requirement of their muscles, which now takes it below the force output. And therefore, they don't have pain. That's the yeah. biggest answer for most people. Oh, right, right. Yes. Well, I, I'm testament to that because I used to do a lot of marathon running and I had sore knees and sore ankles. And, and when I stopped marathon running, my knees and ankles stopped, stopped hurting. <laughs> Correct. So, but, but let's, let's, take a, let's take a person who just worked 40 years of their life to retire and they wanted to play golf. They retired. They, they dedicated that life to being able to play golf when they retired. Five days a week, all I want to do is play golf. And now they have back pain and they're told it's structural, it's stenosis. Maybe they get the surgery, maybe they don't get the surgery, whatever. But forever going forward, they have pain in their back. And what does the medical system tell them? Don't play golf. Don't play golf. Yeah. You think that's fair? You think that's a good no. thing? So That guy no. just dedicated, that woman just dedicated 40 years of their life to live the life they chose. And now it's being taken away from them. The YAS method does not look at pain as the mechanism of determining success. Okay. The thrust of what I promote is pain-free living. 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 
meaning that not only do you not have the pain, but you're able to perform the activities that you want at the level you want prior and should be doing it at the same level that you were prior to the beginning of your pain and dysfunction. So So functionality is the measure of success of treatment. So people are far too easily persuaded these days then to rush to to resort to surgery to alleviate. Can I just give you the number? And you, you try to you try to explain the number. 2012, the number of hip and knee replacements in the United States, 52,000. Wow. 52,000 in 2012. 2019, yeah. seven years later, here's the number, 1,846,000. What? You want to explain All that? Right. Was there a shift in the gravitational force that has caused a massive influx? Of, of arthritis to the population? How do you account? 52,000 to 1,800,000 in seven years. Explain it. You just explained it. You did explain it. It's, yeah. it's a cultural shift. Yeah. It's a cultural shift. At one time, people thought of joint replacement as the last thing done for that 80-year-old who's trying to get those extra five to 10 years of life out of it. Now you're 30 years old. Culturally, everyone's telling, just get it. Just everybody's getting it. That's what happened. So that's the answer. So, so because then, sorry, Kathleen, yes. it's more, it's way more profitable for the medical industry to replace someone's knee than to send them to you and use a couple of rubber bands to strengthen their muscles, right? So the the big point I would make is if this thing is so great, if all these surgeries are so fantastic. Why is 130 million to 150 million Americans suffering with chronic pain and a billion people worldwide suffering? If this is so effective, why has the number of people suffering with chronic pain never gone down over the past 40 years? And part of the answer is the payment mechanism. Yep. So I don't care if you live in a national healthcare country or a private, I don't care about that. The reality is that that medical practitioner works under something called a fee-for-service basis which is to say they get paid regardless of outcome. Mm-hmm. If you're a mechanic and I go and you try, I try to turn my car in after you say you fixed it and it doesn't work, you don't get paid. Mm-hmm. If you're a chef and I ask for steak and you char my steak, you don't get paid. Right. If you're an orthopedic surgeon or, or a spine surgeon and I have pain at my lower back and you do a five-level fusion for a couple hundred thousand dollars, on, I'm in worse pain after you get paid. Still get paid, absolutely. So what's the incentive? Tell me, explain the incentive to, to be to attach outcome to success. How how are you gonna do that? What's what's the incentive for the person, the practitioner, to say, I gotta get this guy better or this woman better? What's the incentive? Yeah, I know, I agree. And I'll, I'll throw something else in there that having lived most of my life in Africa, most rural Africans the percentage that would get knee or hip replacements would be 0.000 whatever. And yet I I would like to guarantee that fewer of them walk around with chronic pain than do people in the West. You just got exactly the answer. So when did chronic pain begin exactly? Oh, that's right. The mid 1980s. What was the, what was the catalyst? Was that automation, computers, technology? You just hit on the point. So Mm -hmm. what happened was, if this was 1970-something, 90% of the population did some sort of job, occupation, recreational activity that was manually based and multidirectional. So 
if you use your muscles, you sustain your strength. And yep. so nobody had chronic pain. Right. Then once automation began, everybody started doing sitting jobs. What's the number one job in the world? IT. So you sit for 10 hours a day. There are two primary muscles, the gluteus medius, which sits on the side of the pelvis, and the gluteus mm-hmm. maximus, which is your butt muscle. They are responsible for allowing you to stand upright and to be balanced and stable when you stand. As soon as you stop using them, boom, gone. They start weakening. Now you try to do activity. They're not there. You start straining. And that Uh, was the reason for chronic pain. So I always talk about, if you think about the 1970s, who was the population that suffered with chronic pain? It was the elderly retired people. And that was because they went from activity to now sitting on that porch in that rocking chair. So what happened in the world in civilized countries, technologically advanced countries globally? You took 20-year-olds and you made them Mm 80-year-olds. That's what happened. That's the answer for your chronic pain issue. And what happened was that 20 or 30-year-old who started having pain, who entered the medical system, they were diagnosed through another piece of technology, the MRI. MRI, Oh, the MRI doesn't find muscular causes. So they just keep getting treated. They never get better because of what? Acute pain misdiagnosed. That becomes chronic. Oh, that's right. What came right after the chronic pain epidemic began? Oh, the opioid epidemic. That's right. I remember it happened within 10 years after it. So was the opioid epidemic the cause of 18-year-old heroin users trying to find some other way of getting it? No way. If that was the truth, when would that have begun? The 60s. When heroin was being used in the science by the counterculture. No, no, no. This was the chronic pain population who could not be diagnosed and have their acute pain resolved appropriately. They went to chronic. The medical system said we have to have a solution for it. Enter pain management. Right. Oh, my goodness. Right. So, so, Mitchell, is, is your system gaining acceptance with other medical practitioners? <laughs> so I could only describe it as I am the needle in the haystack. the largest haystack you could ever imagine on the planet i am a single guy who has figured this stuff out and people always say to me well physical therapists should do this everyone i need you to appreciate i've taken people who have had pain for 10 20 30 years they're pain-free and fully functional in weeks your first session you'll see a 70 80 maybe 100 percent reduction in your symptom you'll walk out Feeling that good. If it's muscular, I identify the muscles. I do some massage, stretching, and some exercise. You will feel that much better. So everyone says, oh, everyone should. Well, what's the incentive? Tell me the incentive for the population, the medical population, to want to use a system that has very close to a 95 to 100% outcome success rate. Right. Well, I don't, I don't think that's good if that population, regardless of whether they get better or not, continues to come to me because they only know there is this one alternative. Can you? So that's why I'm on podcasts like yours. <laughs> now, right. can you help people uh, virtually? So if somebody. Oh, good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've been doing Zoom sessions yeah. since um, 2015, where I did a PBS special, which is a national uh, public broadcasting system in the United States. So I did a, um, a show called The Pain Prescription. And uh, my books, two of my books are published by Hay House, the second largest publisher in the world. So they're published here, Canada, England, Australia, India, and South Africa. As a result of that, I started getting some recognition, and that led me to have to do Zoom sessions. So I've probably done Zoom sessions in 
probably 10 countries, people in 10 different countries. Mm. I think the most satisfying <laughs> is kind of a funny story. So I do one with a guy in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. He, he speaks to me and it's a little broken English, but I still can get him. And I'm like, how'd you find out about me? And he's like, oh, I have your book. So I'm like, how cool would this be? Hold up the book so I could have a picture of my book in Taiwan. In Taiwan. Wow. It's so cool. So he holds it up and I'm like, what's on the top of that? And he's like, that's Chinese writing. Your book was published in Cantonese. What? I'm like, what? <laughs> Apparently, the publisher made a deal with a Chinese publisher and had my my third book translated to Cantonese, and I was never even made aware of it. Wow, 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 wow. wow. That, That's that how I found out about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Neat, yeah. neat. But I, I would like to guess that your methods find easier acceptance in the East than they do in the West. Mm. Certainly, um, I, I, I think there's a, so I just did one with a guy in Australia. Um, I, I treated people in England. It's, it's, I don't necessarily think of it as a, um, country based acceptance. Here's what this comes down to is either you're the type of person. So you're going to be told that, remember, I told you about that pain around the kneecap, which I can mm-hmm. resolve yep. with three exercises. Okay. You're going to be told you need a joint replacement. So you're either the type of person. These are the categories. Mm-hmm. You're the person that says, I'm not getting, I don't care if my hair's on fire. I'm not getting surgery. I've heard too many bad stories about it. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting surgery. So you will be out searching. That's one group. The second group is the person who's had the multiple surgeries, the pain medications, and they just have been told, hey, man, there's just nothing else we could do for you. That's another group that's out searching. The third group is the believer, who is the person that says, well, the doctor is right. They were always right. I believe in the medical system. I'm getting surgery. And they'll keep getting surgeries as long as they're willing to accept surgeries. Those first two groups, they're the ones out searching for me. Right. That's right. who's right. looking for this answer. Their attitude is, we don't buy it. We don't think it's right. Unfortunately, some have learned the hard way. But that population, that two-thirds of the population... They're driving like crazy to find the answer. And when they find this, they are stunned that within the average person, you know how many times they see me? Two to three times. Wow. Two to three times. That's, it, huh? That's all it is because the first one is about diagnosis, treatment. If, if not, if it's Zoom-based, just doing the exercises. The next two times, I give videos of the exercises so the person now takes responsibility but doing this on their own. So the second and third or fourth sessions total are just supervisory. I'm just making sure that they're doing it correctly, accurately, and understand the premise of progressing resistance to get those muscles to the force outputs that are needed for success, for having pain-free living. So that's the concept. And this occurs over a couple of weeks period. The average person, I don't think they're pain-free by three to four weeks. Wow, that is amazing, eh? Wow. That's amazing. That's it's amazing. crazy, man. It's, yeah. I, I, and I, this is my friend John will always say it's bad for me to talk about this, but I think I've been chosen as the person who was given this information by higher power. So mm-hmm. I can only explain it to this way 100,000 people every year graduate from physical therapy nationally. Why was I the only person who Why? stood in front of somebody and said, could you just point to where your pain is? And it showed that it wasn't where it should be and that it had to have a different course. How come I'm the only one? Right. I, 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 I spent years 
being haunted by this. Haunted. Mm, mm, mm. And a couple of years ago, I got found enlightenment and I said, you know what? Who cares why? What's the difference? Well, you the know fact what, is I can do it. And that's all that matters. I would say that there's a lot of people susceptible to indoctrination. Oh, yes. Well, yeah. we've certainly seen that over the last three years. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So okay. I would describe... I would describe this concept of the induction of the MRI and the premise that it finds structural abnormalities in the same kind of realm as the COVID concept. Very similar. Mm-hmm. We're telling you something. We simply make we want you to accept it because we said it. Right. And and that's basically the premise. And it's been going on for 40 years. But yep. I can assure you now there is a counterculture developing. Oh yes. yes, don't worry. We 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 know about that, and uh, <laughs> um, I don't want to get Kathleen into trouble by saying too much on this show. But um, I'm <laughs> cer- certainly 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 one of those. Uh, again, having lived in a different part of the world and seen world the world from a totally different perspective, I I tend to question most things. Wow, Mitchell, thank you, thank you very much. That that's brilliant. So back to Kathleen. He, she yeah. has to ask you something. Well, actually, yeah. Peter, you have a, a burning question you want to ask. I, I think I think Mitchell's. Well, I can ask it, but I think he's really covered it very well. Okay. What what we do when when we're talking to on our business channel, we ask our guests if there's one thing in their experience that separates successful people from those that that remain average, which doesn't really apply. But I was going to ask you: Is there one characteristic or mindset that separates the people who will look at your method of treatment see the the merit of it compared to the ones who automatically go for the surgical route or the conventional route i think you answered that quite well you said with your three well, well i actually would answer both of them in my particular case if you're asking what separates the person that has tremendous success um versus the person who has average mm-hmm. the answer is one word it's passion it's passion it's yep. a belief in yourself and that you're on this earth for a higher purpose. Your purpose yep. on earth is not for the gratification of yourself. I, through my enlightenment, have recognized I have no ego, none whatsoever anymore. My responsibility is to act as a conduit for those people seeking this information that I've been given. And the only thing I get out of this is the recognition that I was chosen to have the information and to share it. So that that's it. Every time I treat someone and they get better, the, the gratification, I don't need adulation. You don't kiss my ring. You don't tell me I'm the greatest guy, and I don't need any of that crap. Mm-hmm. All I know is that I am blessed. I live a blessed, joyous life. And every day I wake up saying to myself, what will happen today? What is the next amazing thing that I'll be asked to confront and, and, and push through and become successful at? So that, to me passion and a sense that you live for a higher purpose is what really separates the people who go beyond the normal levels of success. In terms of the individuals who seek this, it's the person who, as I said before, has basically made a decision. Either they've recognized that the surgical premise isn't going to work for them and they've decided they will never get that, or they've gone down the dark path of all the treatments, all Mm -hmm. the treatments. Mm -hmm. And at some point, either they've just said, I'm not getting any more treatments, or I hate to tell you, there's a lot of people who are told, there's nothing left that we can do for you. Mm -hmm. They're going to be living like this forever. So those are the two populations that I think are out there seeking me. Right. Excellent. 
Thank you Wonderful. so much. Uh, oh my goodness. It's, uh, I think I, I could go on and speak with you for, for hours on Anna, but <laughs> oh, yeah. Most but definitely. unfortunately we've run out of time today, Mitchell, but tell people how they can contact you. So the, the easiest way is obviously through email and that's Dr. Mitch at MitchellYas.com. But I also have a website called live without pains. It's plural live without pains.com. And there there's a contact us button. You can contact me that way. If people decide that they want to make an appointment to schedule an appointment, they can do that. There's a schedule now button. So you don't necessarily have to contact me to make an appointment, whether it's an in-person one in Jacksonville, Florida, or a Zoom one, uh, any place outside of there. Uh, You can do that there. To me, the thing I'm most proud of is my YouTube channel that has over 300 videos. Pick a point from head to toe. I probably talked about it. It's crazy stuff. Ciders, onions. I don't care what you're talking about. Trigger finger. There is a video there that you could watch and it will explain in lay personese what's causing your pain and why it appears that in 98% of cases it's muscular. Free content. I mean, I would just go there and that's just Dr. Mitchell Yas. So oh. that, that to me is what I, I really want people to know about. Oh, thank Excellent. you so much. We will definitely take a look at that YouTube channel. And, what, and your books, are they available on the website, Amazon? Uh, on on Amazon. On Amazon, you could just Google Dr. Mitchell Yas or it's Overpower Pain, the Pain Cure Rx, and the Yas Method for Pain-Free Movement. Okay. No, that's great. Well, and for our audio listeners, all those details will be in the description on whichever channel you happen to be listening to this on. So for me, Mitchell, thank you. That is wonderful. I have got a quick one. On your YouTube channel, have you got a video on neck pain? <laughs> Multiple, not just neck oh, pain, great. But, but headaches. How about headaches? How oh. many people are left taking drugs for the rest of their lives because they're told that, oh, we can't find a cause. It's not a hemorrhage. It's not a, a cancer. It's not this. Well, okay, you're going to have to be. I'm telling you now, the vast majority, watch out for this, the vast majority of people having headaches, forward head posture. It's tension-based. Yep. Their head's farther forward. The muscles that support their head that attach to the upper cervical region and skull are overworking. They're straining and they're pulling on the skull. The skull has connective tissue surrounding it. Connective tissue has the highest density of pain receptors. So you might be getting the pull there, but you might be feeling the pain there. Yeah, you up there. Watch right. out for that. And that's in my books and video. Excellent. Thank you for that. Fantastic. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, that was wonderful. Well, thank you all so very much for tuning into our show. We so appreciated having you. And if anyone is interested in being a guest on our show, please visit us at theyackingshow.com. All you need to do is click on the contacts tab where you will find a short application form and we would love to hear from you. So until next time, take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Goodbye.